Welcome to Employment Law Matters with Barrister Daniel Barnett. Hello everybody, Daniel Barnett here and welcome to episode 35 of Employment Law Matters. Now this isn't coming out on the regular Tuesday because I've decided to accelerate this episode slightly. It's uh, being recorded today, Friday the 28th of February because I thought I'd talk a little bit about coronavirus on twitter you can see coronavirus articles being promulgated by lawyers offices up and down the uk and i've been guilty of doing that myself but it is becoming a a serious issue just yesterday afternoon on thursday the 27th of february it's reported according to legal cheek that baker mckenzie have closed down their london office as a precautionary measure to combat potential coronavirus cases. Apparently, one employee has come back from northern Italy and is unwell, and they've decided to close down their entire office. Good for them. They've commented that they have a well-established, agile working programme, including sophisticated technology and IT systems for homeworking, which lets them take those precautionary measures without impacting their client service delivery. I've taken that quote from the LegalCheek.com website. I myself, I'm off to San Diego, or at least I'm meant to be going off to San Diego in about three or four weeks' time. I'm going to a big conference out there that has about 10,000 attendees, and I'm really thinking seriously of just not getting getting on the flight. Everyone's going to be making their own decisions over the course of the coming weeks and months as to what they personally do to minimise the risk of, of, of catching this thing. But what I'm going to talk about today, and this is not an episode I'd planned, it's just one I've decided to slip in slightly out of sequence because of reading about the Baker McKenzie office closure, is just talk about coronavirus and how it can impact on employers. So, Many employers, it's not just Baker McKenzie, many employers, including Chevron and Crossrail, are reported to have asked employees to work from home as a precaution amid the COVID-19 outbreak. And employers everywhere are doubtless wrestling with issues around quarantine, self-isolation and fearful employees. ACAS has issued guidance on coronavirus on its website acas.org.uk it mentions the usual rules about hand washing and general hygiene in the workplace that's something that should obviously prevent absences generally and here's some of acas's other advice they say that if employees don't want to go to work because they're afraid of catching coronavirus listen to the concerns if you think the concerns are genuine, try to resolve them. That might, might mean offer homeworking or flexible working. Maybe agree to the employee taking time off as holiday or as unpaid leave, but you don't have to do that. And ACAS also say if they refuse to come to work, you might be able to take disciplinary action. My view is that dismissing somebody if they genuinely fear catching coronavirus, perhaps because they work in an enclosed area, perhaps because they'd have to commute on a packed tube or train, dismissing them for that if it's a genuine fear rather than talking up the fear is likely to be outside the range of reasonable responses. So assuming they've worked for more than two years, it's probably an unfair dismissal. That might change as the amount of time for which they refuse to come in goes on. If it stretches into weeks and months, then that position might change. It might become within the range of reasonable responses to dismiss after a clear warning. But at the moment, I think it would be a 
lucky employer who got away with dismissing an employee because of their genuine fears of coronavirus. And there's also the possibility, not that I think this would win, but Section 100 of the Employment Rights Act says that a dismissal is automatically unfair if the reason for the dismissal is that in circumstances of danger, which the employee reasonably believes to be serious and imminent and which he can't reasonably be expected to avert, he refuses to return to his place of work. In that situation, not only is the dismissal automatically unfair, but the employee doesn't need two years qualifying period. I don't think that any dismissal for refusing to come into work because of coronavirus will fall within Section 100, because I don't think it can be said that there is a serious and imminent risk of danger. Probably not. Um, It's certainly serious. Is it imminent? Well, at the moment, the chances of catching it are still low, and which he couldn't reasonably have been expected to avert. Well, you can wash your hands. You can wear some sort of mask. I know that's not perfect, but I think an employee would struggle to persuade a tribunal it's a health and safety case. But I do think the dismissal for now is outside the range of reasonable responses. The ACAS guidance also says that if an employee is not ill, but you tell them not to come to work, maybe because they've just returned from China or northern Italy or another affected area, they should get their usual pay while off work. And I agree with that. That is plainly correct. What about if an employee has decided to self-isolate or quarantine? Well, there's no statutory right to pay or contractual right to pay in most contracts if they're not sick, but they can't work because a medical professional has told them to self-isolate or because they've had to go into quarantine or because they're abroad in an affected area and aren't allowed to travel back to the UK. But it is good practice to treat it as sick leave in the usual way or agree to them taking the time as holiday. If you don't, there's a risk they'll turn up at work because they don't want to miss out on pay. Uh, Health Secretary Matt Hancock has reinforced the ACAS guidance by telling employers in the UK that if staff have been asked to self-isolate, they're entitled to take the time of sick leave. That's just wrong as a matter of law, I think. But nevertheless, it, it reinforces the ACAS guidance to say that that's what good practice should be. Well, what if someone becomes unwell at work, if they've recently come back from an area affected by coronavirus? And let me emphasize here, I am not medically qualified and I'm not qualified to give any medical advice at all. All I'm doing is summarizing what I've read in other places. But if someone's come back from work and begins to feel unwell and they've come back from an area affected by coronavirus, they should go at least seven feet, that's about two metres away from other people, go to a room or an area behind a closed door, avoid touching anything, cough or sneeze into a tissue and put in the bin, or if they don't have tissues, cough and sneeze into the crook of their elbow, and use a separate bathroom from others if possible. They should then call 111 for NHS advice, tell the operator their symptoms, tell the operator which country they've returned from in the last 14 days, and follow the advice they're given. What else should you do as an employer? Well, you've got a general duty to protect the health and safety of staff. So these are the things I'd do. I'm going to give you seven things to think about. Number one, keep everyone at work updated on what you're doing to reduce the risk of exposure at work. 
Number two, make sure you've got everyone's up-to-date contact numbers and emergency contact details. Number three, make sure managers know how to spot symptoms and are clear about the relevant processes. Number four, encourage staff to wash their hands regularly. Five, give out hand sanitizers and tissues and encourage their use. Six, consider if face masks are needed. Again, I'm not medically qualified, but my understanding is the current medical advice is face masks don't do much to prevent you catching coronavirus, but can help stop you spreading it if you are infected. I actually saw earlier this week on the tube the very first instance that I've seen of somebody wearing a full World War II styled gas mask. And I have to confess, I felt a little tinge of envy. And seven, consider if travel to affected areas is essential. Now, if you need to close the workplace, you should probably have some sort of plan in place now and start thinking about it. And the sort of things to think about are asking staff who have work laptops or mobiles to work from home, arranging paperwork tasks that can be done from home for those who don't work on computers, and make sure staff have a way of communicating with their employer and colleagues. If you do close down, unless you have layoff and short-term clauses in your contract, and not that many people do anymore, you'll still have to pay staff while they're absent. Few other thoughts. Look for other ways of holding meetings. Don't send staff to affected countries or regions if possible. If you've got staff based in those areas, consider the particular risks and offer homeworking. Be prepared for staff requests to work from home and have a decided way of dealing with them. Remember that pregnant women can be particularly vulnerable if they catch the virus. And remember you have extra responsibilities to protect pregnant women from risk at work. If you don't think you can do that sufficiently, you may need to think about moving them to a different location or even removing them from the working environment completely for a short while. But I wouldn't do that without discussing it with them and getting their consent. It may be worth issuing an instruction to all staff to tell you if they intend going to or have just returned from an affected area or to tell you if they think they've come into contact with someone who has or may have the virus. And I have to add this, watch out for any mistreatment of Chinese or other workers, possibly Italian workers, in connection with the outbreak. We've all seen reports in the news of Chinese people being singled out for abuse, and this may be a risk in your organisation. So if the virus spreads, be mindful of the treatment of nationals from other hotspot countries. Remind staff of your anti-harassment policy and clamp down on any problem behaviour. Thank you for listening. I hope you found this episode of the podcast useful, even if it was a bit more serious than most episodes. If you want to subscribe, please go and subscribe at www.danielbarnett.co.uk slash podcast. Next week's episode is the episode that I was meant to be doing this week. It's part two of defending sex harassment claims. Part one was last week. Thank you very much for listening. Bye-bye. Any information on this podcast is for general guidance only. Always seek legal advice. Please see full terms at www.danielbarnett.co.uk forward slash podcast terms.